Welcome to the Grip City Golf Podcast, your source for new information, insightful interviews, and good old-fashioned banter about golf in Portland, Oregon. Today's episode is presented by Brink and Brown Sanitation. Introducing the hosts of Grip City Golf, Andy Dirk Johnson and Eric Peterson. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome in. Episode 10 of the Grip City Golf Podcast, talking with the inside golf voice. We're in a library now. We're in the media center here at LIV out at Pumpkin Ridge, hanging out. And uh, I'm just going to throw it to you, man. EP, we're hanging out. This is, we've been talking about this for months, waiting for it to start, wondering what it's going to look like. How's the vibes going to feel, the course, all of it? I mean, you've been to a thousand golf tournaments in your life, working at the Golf Channel, time at Band and Dunes and all that. How does this stack up? How does it feel compared to your past experience? I think that it is kind of funny where we, our library voice is. It is very right? funny, yeah. So hopefully this sounds okay. But we, we'll boost up the volume. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, like when I was riding the shuttle in from the parking lot, I even then I was thinking, is this real? Are we sure it's real? <laughs> but then you get with each step you take, you feel a little bit more like, okay, this is legit. Mm-hmm. And when we walk through security, you get on the grounds, and you and I have both been here for the Corn Ferry event, so we know what a, a PGA Tour level tournament kind of looks like from a setup standpoint. But when I got in, like, I was impressed and I guess surprised, quite honestly, with the, how robust the infrastructure is. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're sitting here in the media center, and, like, every little, every little corner is perfectly manicured inside. I mean, even if you go to, like, the U.S. Open Media Center, there's some fans that are maybe a little wobbly or something. <laughs> One might fall down on your head yeah, if you're not and careful. Like, and whereas here, like, everything is super dialed. And so they're not cutting any expenses, which I guess shouldn't be too big of a surprise. But I was still kind of wondering, like, from an infrastructure standpoint, if they were going to be, um, like, if it was going to feel like a PGA Tour event. And certainly it, it did for me when I first walked in. And then once you get in, you kind of you kind of feel like, you're at a PGA Tour event. I mean, you've been to some events too. Does, mm-hmm. it, does it feel like, is there some sense of normalcy to it? it do, I think from our angle, it does feel like a normal event because of the media aspect of it. I mean, you're talking about the tents, <laughs> the free food, the layout, the free food, <laughs> which I, of course, hit the second I walked in. You got to as a media member. Um, you know, the shuttles, the parking, all that kind of stuff. It does, it has a very official feel to it we got a robot that's delivering drinks to us right now like this thing like they did not spare a single expense i think the the weird dichotomy is stepping outside of these tents and getting out onto the course and realizing you're watching some of the best players in the world some of the biggest names in the history of golf with not a lot of fanfare i mean you know i think that was the biggest thing that stood out to me was walking around if you're by phil uh if you're by you know brooks and dj bryson some of the bigger names you're going to get a decent crowd size we're talking like three four deep on three, the, against the deep. ropes at yeah. the very least yeah we almost got drilled by a couple of tee shots kind yeah. of a fun way to start the day but to be three or four deep that you kind of get used to at a normal pga tour event or a masters that kind of thing but outside of those couple small names you could really get some great access to golfers so in that regard it's kind of a unique positive i think for golf fans that if you can set aside all the outside noise and everything that's going on around it just being here to get a glimpse at some of these guys. That was the draw for us was to see these golfers and see them play a course that we've played a thousand times. Um, So it's almost like these two different worlds where we're in this official setup that feels like a U.S. Open in this great facility, and then you go out on the course and you feel like you're not even at a corn ferry event at times because that's how low-key the the crowd action is. So it's this weird kind of back and forth out here. 
I feel like we're at the U.S. Open, but all the fans thought that the tournament's next week, not this week. So <laughs> it's a practice round or here. something, yeah. Because, I mean, even if you go to a practice round at a U.S. Open, there's 15, 20, probably 30,000 yeah. people there on a given day. I mean, it's a, it's a, those are big events. Yeah. And whereas here, it's what we, we were guessing maybe 5,000 people or so. It's, it's hard to guess because everybody's so spread out. But it's, it's very much smaller than a typical certainly a, a major championship. I mean, um, but I would say even quite a bit less than a corn fairy tour event. I mean, you and I have been out here and those things on Saturday, Sunday, there's a lot of people out here for that. So yeah, the, the crowd piece of it, totally agree. It's, it's different. And we kind of knew that coming in, right? Mm -hmm. We weren't expecting there to be a lot of people. We, we weren't really expecting anything, to be honest with you. I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Coming out. And that was part of you and I talked last pod about like, what, what are we looking forward to um, to coming to this event? And my biggest thing was normally I go to a, a PGA Tour event or any sporting event for that matter because I know it's going to be fun. <laughs> right. You kind of have this in your mind of what it'll kind of be like and you want to be a part of that. Whereas with this, it's like we want to go because we have no idea what it's going to be like. No clue. And kind of that mystery is what was interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, we walked out. We spent some time on the driving range seeing the guys warming up and, you know, it the crowd reaction clearly was not one of negative pushback. There was no protesters. You didn't see any of that kind of stuff. And we wondered what was that going to be like? I mean, Phil walking out onto the driving range is like, you know, the Beatles showing up to the Ed Sullivan show. People were fired up. They were cheering him on. He was signing autographs and giving the thumbs up and all that. So from that regard, I was kind of curious, what was the fan interaction going to be like? And would there be any pushback? That was not the case whatsoever. There was go Phil. Yeah. Lefty, everybody's cheering everybody on. So you didn't have any of that out here today. Um, but when, when you talk about the golf course, I think that was the other tie in for us of, What's this course going to play like? You know, I, I've been wondering that, honestly, for a week or two. And, and I talked to uh, Bob Herrig on the radio show, and he, he had mentioned, do you think Pumpkin Ridge would get, you know, blackballed from the PGA Tour or a U.S. Open, something like that, PGA Championship in the future? Um, and he didn't have the answer to it. And we have some more info on that coming up in a bit up on Pumpkin and the LIV. But seeing how the course was going to play, the way that they were able to lengthen it out, split up the holes, which was confusing as hell. So if you're a fan coming this weekend, good luck with that because it's like the 15th hole on goes is the first hole they're playing today. So trying to put that map together in your head was not easy for us. We're like, all right, we got to go to the third hole, but it's the fifth hole. Very confusing. Especially um, when you have to say it out loud, like when we were talking back and forth, <laughs> yeah. it's like, let's go to 15, and you're like, you mean 15, 15, or, or one? three, or two. <laughs> Wait, what? what hole? So that part of it was really confusing, but they stretched it out. The course is in incredible shape. It looks great, and it's playing. I mean, we'll keep an eye on how the leaderboard goes throughout the weekend, but that to me has been a major, like two thumbs up. It's amazing. Pumpkin has done a great job putting money into it. It looks dialed in. And it's playing – the fact that you can get, what is it, 7,600 yards out of this place? I'm That's just a big ballpark. Like, how are you going to put that puzzle together? And they did a great job with that. Yeah, totally agree. And, yeah, that was the other question that I had coming into it is how the course would play. And are guys going to shoot – you and I were talking earlier, like, are guys going to shoot 62 today? Or is it going to be, like, 66, <laughs> 67 kind of? And, and it looks like it will be somewhere more like yeah. that. And I think that, that that is a good thing for Pumpkin Ridge and the future of this event if it's a tough, tough-ish golf course, right? I mean, they don't want it to be U.S. Open tough, but I think it gives the course a little bit of credibility when guys aren't going super-duper low. I, I kind of go back and forth on whether or not a, a golf tournament is more or less exciting if guys go super low. Some people like a lot of birdies, a lot of excitement that way. Some people like to see them struggle. Some people are kind of somewhere in between. So the score, I don't think, really matters as much as the players who are on the field. But I think that it's, I think it's pretty 
pretty awesome that Pumpkin Ridge is holding its own. And it feels like all the players' comments have been nothing but positive about being out here, which is good. You wanted to hear that. No complaints, because you get that. I mean, the last time we had a major golf tournament in the Northwest was at Chambers Bay, and we remember the aftermath of that, and it was nothing but complaints and the greens, and we're never coming back to play here. Um, so to have kind of a different reaction, I think, this time is a great sign. What do you think the winning score is going to be this week? We talked about this before the pod, and you didn't give me your answer, and I'm curious what it is. Three days. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 12 under. Okay. I was going to go 15. Maybe. I mean, by the time this is published, the first day will be over. But I think right now they're about, what, halfway through the first round. And there's a couple guys at three under, four under. You could get a five or six maybe at the end of the day, potentially. And it looked to me, I mean, we only saw a few holes. But it looked to me like the pins were in pretty easy spots. The the pin on, again, this is going to be hard. But (laughs) on three, three, which is which hollow five for, for folks listening. Uh, the pin was basically middle left. If you know that hole, like if you if you put the pin back right, that's a really tough pin to get at from. It's playing 211 today. It's a little downwind, but the pin was right in the middle. So maybe the tees are a little easier today, and, and by Saturday, maybe they're going to tuck them a little more. Like I would, I would imagine that like to take that hole, for example, they'll put the pin back right on Saturday for the yeah, last round. Yeah, make it tougher, make you go after it. Yeah, so even if you do see some 66s today or so, I think that the, the volume will be turned down a little bit by the time you get to Saturday. But, yeah, I'm going to stick to 12 under. Okay. I but I wouldn't be surprised to see 15. It'll just depend on how the conditions shake out as the weekend goes on. You mentioned the pin placements. They probably want low scores early, toughen the screws as the, as the weekend goes on. Let me ask you this because we talked a lot about it. I don't think we got to it on the last pod, the the breakdown of which and ghost, because we were curious how that was going to look, right? You have a public side and a private side. You clearly have more space on one side than the other to lengthen out a tee box and to get more yardage. And they're utilizing uh, ghosts more than they are which, which maybe surprises some in terms of the public and private angle. Did you like the the, the mixture of holes that they put together and yeah. the way they put that puzzle? Yeah, I really do. I mean, I think that it's it's a tough puzzle to put together because you need to not only have the routing set up so that if you walk off one green the the pathway to the next tee box is somewhat reasonable there's a couple holes out there that are they're yeah. take riding a cart like we're on 14 at Bandon trails you know like the heart attack shuttle <laughs> you but gotta have the, the truck taking yeah, you up the hill to the next it's not, box. it's not yeah. uphill like that one is but it's still there's there's some greens that are quite a quite a bit a ways from the next tee but so that's that's part of the puzzle right is they need to figure out how can they lay out the hole so that they'll be able to get from one green to the next tee but and so I think that the the way that it's set up there aren't really any holes that I disagree with that they have I tend to think that which hollow is a better golf course just on holes one through 18 I that for me personally I enjoy that course more but a lot of people think that um, that uh, Ghost Creek certainly the front nine at Ghost Creek you know we, you and I have talked about that's like probably the best nine holes in Portland it's tough um, to beat those nine holes yeah and so yeah to answer your question I think that the I think it's great. I think it's fun that they that they kind of split them because the easy way to do it would just be to have it be at Witch Hollow, you know, because they've had the Corn Ferry event there. It's very easy to understand. But with a, a shotgun tournament, it's <laughs> you can you can kind of move stuff around a little bit more. There's more flexibility because you don't need to finish on 18. You can finish on whatever hole, sure, whatever hole it is. So I think it's cool. They were creative with it. Um, kudos to them for doing it that way. Um, it just sort of spreads out the wealth, so to speak, a little bit. And I think I think it's awesome. So one of the things I, I know we had talked about coming into this of just the unknown of what it's going to look like is some of the ambiance and the added stuff, right? And so we're, we got here early. We wanted to walk around, see guys on the driving range. There was a, a parachute landing, a ceremonial parachute landing. Was that like the, the 
the kind of the, the flyover equivalent, a like in a football flyover. game. Yeah, it was funny because we saw the parachutes come down because some fans were pointing it out, and they had a giant American flag off of one of them, which the irony there of the funding of the golf tournament, we don't really need to get into that, but that was kind of funny. But it was, <laughs> there was a PA guy, so there's microphones and speakers on every hole, and the PA guy comes out and says, uh, like five minutes later, hey, take a look at the ceremonial yeah. you know, parachute landing. And everybody's like, that, was, that already happened, yeah. man. A little, little delayed on that. But the, the, the feel was interesting because they had speakers, they were playing music, and it seemed like for not a lot of fans, it was a bit of a party kind of before the thing goes on. Yeah. And then at 1.15, you get this air horn, and all of a sudden the fans kind of cheer like, all right, here we go, fireworks yeah. are going to start. What did you make of the – because I, I think on television – the shotgun start is a dream scenario because you got everybody on the course at the same time and you jump in and it's not, all right, we got to get through 15 groups that nobody cares about before one of these marquee groups shows up. So everybody's on the course at the same time. That's a benefit for TV. I wasn't sure how it was going to feel in person. What did you make of that kind of walking around? I know we, we stayed kind of camped around a certain area, but of, of the shotgun start idea and being there in person. Yeah, I, I don't think that there's an issue with it on the first round as we were there basically right when it started. And so in terms of moving around and just, we just wanted to see players, right? We weren't really trying to follow the leaders because there wasn't really any leaders to follow yet. What would be interesting to see is what that would feel like on Saturday when we're coming down where there's four holes to play and First of all, I didn't notice that there were scoreboards out there, so I don't really know how you follow. Were, were there scoreboards? There was one behind the green. There was on, one on behind three. one green, but I, I, there wasn't. It, I didn't Anyways, see them on every hole. Yeah. So that might be a little bit challenging to to pivot and decide that. Ooh, looks like Deschambeau is is right up there making a run. We should, let's go over and see him. It's kind of hard to go find who he is to try to get him before it finishes. <laughs> right. Because back to your point of like with a, a tournament, while the the downside is that it gets really spread out and you got to watch groups before the actual meat of the, of the tournament comes through. The, the, the positive about that is that you can sort of wait and camp out and understand like who's coming through. Okay. Just sit a little bit longer and the leaders will be here. Whereas here it's kind of helter skelter a little bit. Yeah. So I think Saturday would be interesting to see what that feels like when it's coming down to it and you want to see a certain player. It'd be hard to get from point A to point B. That's a really good point because when you're in person, and especially for local golf fans who know these courses so well, you go back to the issue we were talking about of what hole is what hole. Now right. they have big markers, so you can see them when you get close to the hole. But you'll look at the map and say, okay, that hole is that, but then trying to figure out how you cut across and get there. And I'll be curious how, you know, PGA Tour players are, and golfers in general very finicky, and they have a lot of complaints about setup and the way things look there's going to be complaints, I guarantee you. Now, I don't know if these came out in the event in London of favorable starting holes, right? Everybody has that. If you're starting at a random scramble event you're playing in, you know if you're coming up to a hole that's good to start at or not good to start at, right? Yeah. So I wonder if for guys like that who are maybe in contention, is there going to be some of that where maybe the last two or three holes are tougher or the first two or three holes are yeah. tougher and they're going to be unhappy with their starting point? But I, I will say, and I don't know how this shakes out as the weekend goes on because this is the first one that we've obviously been to and the first one in the States. They did a good job in terms of fan access of packing together you know powerful groups so you know the first groups that we saw go off were Poulter, Louis, and Pat Perez following them was Reed, Schwartzel, and Mickelson and then Kepka, Wolf, and Answer and so if you're just kind of hub, you know, hubbed in one area you see some powerful groups coming up and then it was DJ and Bryson and Kevin Na and then Sergio following them the rest of the golf course I'm sure was completely empty because most golf fans don't know any of the other names that are on the list they can't pronounce them they can't pronounce half of them so that was a smart idea at least for fan access and I wonder if on Saturday it's weird to say Saturday for the end of it, but if they'll do the same thing, because that's big for if you're coming in person, 
you're going to want to see the marquee holes and the marquee ending. Whereas if you're at a PGA Tour event, you know, I'm going to go park at 16, 17, and 18. I'm going to see the finish as groups come across, whereas these guys might be starting on the fifth hole, yeah. and i got to get to two, three, four to try and wash the last three. So that angle of it that you bring up is 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 kind of unique of just how's that going to play out. It's undoubtedly better for TV, but still to be determined, I think, for fans that are here. It's funny you mentioned the which hole you start on and which hole you finish on and the strategy about maybe players want to be here or there. It's funny because I think of that one when I play in a scramble tournament, I'm like, Every you look time. like, oh, what hole are we start on? Oh, that sucks. That's a long par three. Or, right. oh, yeah, we start on a par five, and you get all excited. And so, Right, we had that because we were watching the, the fifth hole at Witch Hollow. Is that downhill 210-yard par? Like, that's a brutal hole to start on, yeah. man, as opposed to maybe a gettable par five yeah. where you come out right out of the gate with a birdie, and you're climbing up the leaderboard just like that. It's funny how we think of that hole as hard, and I agree with you, it's hard, and we, but we don't play it from 210. No. But, like, when, <laughs> when we watch a couple groups hit on that tee box, you kind of lose it in the sky. The sky is like sunny, but kind of just cloudy enough that it's a little hard to follow the ball in the sky. And I lost a couple in the air. And then, of course, you look by the hole and it just drops down like 15 feet. Down, where yeah. You and I don't really have that reality. So when we're thinking about like a tough, a tough starting hole, I don't think that Pat Perez was waggling or thinking about his. No, I don't <laughs> how think that so. was a tough hole. I don't think he was thinking about chunking one into the water in front of the green <laughs> like I would think about on that tee box, right? That's not his thought process. Two other random anecdotes that I just got to shout out. One, I saw a guy hit five vape pens at the same time. That was pretty impressive. Uh, I didn't know that was possible, but somebody did that. And uh, Paulina Gretzky out here wandering the grounds of Pumpkin Ridge. So a little bit of scenery if you're out here as well. And she was she was looking her her fine self. She I was mean, looking she like was, Paulina, man. She I was, mean, it, it wasn't like, a, oh, I wonder, is that Paulina? It was like, there's Paulina you right saw her there. From 50 yards away. Here she comes in a yellow and, dress. And, and you and I talked about that, like how it's interesting that she was just walking around outside the ropes and I think she had a friend or something with her, but it wasn't like security or anything. And, no. and it, we were in this kind of tight area around a tee box and she just kind of like went on through wearing her <laughs> cocktail dress and no big deal. We also saw Charles Schwartzel, who I thought at first it was Patrick Reed, but Schwartzel hit a ball into a tree and evidently it never came down. Nobody Which I have never seen knew. happen. Have you ever seen that happen on that I've hole? I've never seen that happen on that so, hole. So, like, for people listening, we're on the so we're on the the fourth hole at Witch Hollow, yep. okay? Which is a par five for us, but it's a par four for them. And we were at that time watching folks hit on on five, watching them come to the green. But we heard a couple balls hit, knock around in the trees over there. One of whom was Phil, and his ball just landed in the rough, and he found it. Hit an amazing shot actually to get it up there to about twenty five feet. But the other ball, we just we like walked over there to go check it out, and we saw people looking for it. And I was thinking, wait, they can't find it. Like, how and they were possible? they were pointing up at that tree, and I'm like, that ball can't get stuck in that tree. <laughs> it's not that thick. No. And so it's hard to describe which tree it is, but imagine like down the left side of that fairway, probably two, you know, it's probably like a two seventy, two eighty carry from where they're hitting. So if you can imagine that tree. And it hugs kind of tight to the fairway. So mm -hmm. if you pull it a little bit, um, and I think Phil actually hit that same tree, but he just went kind of right yeah, through it. he bounced down and kicked down to the left. But Schwartzel somehow his ball got stuck up in there. I, I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> Everybody's trying to figure out what happened. He had to go back to the tee box and reload. That sucks, man. That's, first hole. It's <laughs> a brutal start. Got to go reload on the first tee box. So and he was, ended up making double, at which yeah. a six on that hole, which, again, it's playing as a par four, which is kind of eyebrow-raising. but A 498-yard par four. Yeah, and so he then went back. Re hit again right down the middle and hit it on the green and two putted so he made yeah. a six but kind of a bummer to start you around that way yeah you par your second ball it's, uh, it still hurts on the way out I, I did see some tweets we were kind of walking around and curious to see the coverage and what people were saying there was some commenter notes about 
guys out here smiling. And there was one, especially about Patrick Reed and his wife, I think, said she's, he's smiling more than he's ever smiled. And so they're trying to spin that. These guys are happy. I will, I know you, you noted this, and I'll let you expand on it. But there, there did seem to be I, – I don't want to call it an exhibition because it disrespects maybe the tournament, but it, it has that feel for me as a golf fan – and there was times inside the ropes that it had that feel that these guys were just – and maybe just the guaranteed money takes the pressure off you and you don't really care. Not that there's not still a big prize that you can win at the end of the weekend, but there did seem to be more of a calm nature that guys were just kind of out here having fun, playing around a golf like a, like a charity event almost. Yeah, it, I totally agree. And it, it just seems like the volume was turned down a little bit just in terms of, like you were saying, just everyone just seems like they're not playing in a PGA Tour event. <laughs> and we, we've had questions coming in about – I don't want to say the legitimacy of the of the uh, co- the competition part of it, but just how like how bad guys wanted that part of it, or were they just kind of here because they're getting paid, like you said? Yep. And maybe as the as the season goes on, they kind of get a little bit more settled, and the you're, you know you're playing against mostly the same guys week in and week out, so maybe they'll get a better feel for kind of like what they need to do to play well, and they'll maybe dial it in a little bit more and get more intense about winning the tournament. The team switch every week was a little odd. Um, I the, still don't understand the, how that works. The players, I want to get one of those hats. You want to be an Aces fan? <laughs> what team are you? But, yeah, it just, doesn't, it just doesn't seem like the guys are, they have the intensity of as if the competition really, truly matters. And will it later on, like I said? I don't know. But at this point, yeah, it, it seemed like the vibe on the range was more chill. The vibe, even when they were walking down the fairway, just kind of didn't really seem like it was business to them. It was more of just like, hey, we're out here to have a good time. Yeah, it really did. It, it has a feel of uh, – people make this complaint about NBA players. Your contracts are guaranteed. No matter yeah. how many games you play, whether you get hurt, like it's a guaranteed contract. So you can loaf it all you want, man. They can't get out of that thing. You're going to make every penny of that deal. Well, and did you hear the the rumor that somebody asked in the, the press conference earlier in the week about there was a rumor that – if the player wins money in a given week, whether it's yeah. individually or with the team, that that comes out of the the appearance fee. There was an the, LIV spokesperson that grabbed the microphone immediately and, and shot yeah. down all of those rumors because the players awkward. didn't know. It was it was it was Perez, Brooks, and um, I can't remember who the third was up there with him. But they basically looked over at the spokesperson like, "Are you going to answer this question? Because yeah. we don't know the answer to this question." Yeah. And she said, "No, they do not come out of your contract. You still make all that money." Which is, I don't know what you thought about that dude, but that. That, that seemed kind of weird. <laughs> a lot of this is. But I think the ultimate thing for me today, and we'll get to some of the stuff we learned, but just seeing golf at Pumpkin Ridge, it's just, it, 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 is, it has been a surreal feeling since it was announced. I mean, I joked earlier that um, on, on the radio show this week that I'll never forget seeing the tweet of the LIV tour stops and, like, doing a double, quadruple take of, like, wait, what? Pumpkin Ridge? And I think you and I texted immediately, like, holy yes, I can't believe this is happening. And now here we are. The field ended up being way better than I thought. And we learned today uh, just from, you know, you know, kind of talking and meeting some people and all that kind of stuff that they got a three-year deal. And so there's yeah. a plan that this thing is going to be back for the next two years. And I wonder if year after year – some of the negative backlash maybe tones down. I, I don't know what the answer to that is going to be. Nobody knows where the Live Tour is going to go and how the PGA Tour is going to handle it. But from from that notion, I was really curious of coming in. Is this a is this a long term thing? Are we just is this your only chance to ever see it? So to learn that it's a three year deal and they're planning on coming back for two more years, I, that, that's a pretty eye opening thing for golf in the Northwest. Well, and and when you talk with because I know we both have friends who are members out here and they've, I think all of them to some extent have expressed some level of frustration about the event. Most of what I've heard, I'm curious what you've heard 
is that they're not they're losing their golf course for two weeks. Yeah. It's not so much the the Saudi connection as it is just a tournament. To, but the Corn Ferry event did that before, so that's kind of the same deal in terms of the access that they lose. Could be a timing uh, difference, or maybe you don't want to lose it in the middle, you know, late June, early July, as opposed to the end of August. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? But I think back to what you're saying about the, being a three-year deal, I feel like hopefully the, the membership is a little bit more welcoming next year. I, I don't want to say, I don't want to speak for the entire membership, but there were some members who were pissed, right? Yeah. I mean, and they were like, you know, we don't want this here. If, if I had the choice, if I had a vote, which member-owned clubs, that's how probably would, how it would have gone down. But they didn't have that opportunity. They were kind of pissed. But we did hear in talking with a member that, that um, they're, they're going to make some improvements, to some capital improvements with the, with the hosting fee that they're going to get from this. So that will probably make the membership feel a little bit better. And, sure. and certainly the ownership group at Escalante has um, an explanation for why they're doing it. They're kind of putting it back to the club, which is what they should do, right? Mm -hmm. I think that if, if they didn't do that, the membership would probably be really pissed to have it a second year if they didn't feel like they were yeah. getting something out of it. I think that was the fear that Escalante was going to take the money and run. And what is it going to mean for Pumpkin Ridge? Are they going to be left holding the negative PR and not get much out of it? And so to hear that it's been the other way, that there's been a lot of money that's gone into the club, maybe that calms down the fears of some. I know they lost some members. They picked some up. It ended up kind of being a wash from everything Nobody really knows. that I've heard. You hear yeah. random numbers from different people, you know, losing 10 to 15 to 20, gaining 10 to 15 to 20. So there hasn't been a big impact really either way. Uh, it's going to be wild, though, that this is evidently going to be here for the next two years and I'll say I mean last thing for me I'll get some final thoughts from you but just on if you're coming this week as a fan if you're a fan of golf and you can avoid all the other stuff and I don't know what the protests are going to look like this week on a you know fourth of July weekend it, it's an incredible opportunity to get close-up access to people that you don't get access to in the Northwest and I know that was the biggest draw for me to see the best golfers in the world the biggest names playing a course that I've played and that I know well and uh, I've been out here a million times over the years. And so just that aspect of it is still not really sinking into me yet. It was kind of fun just to be out there and watch that. But um, if you want access to these guys, you, you got it here, man. There's yeah. not a lot of people. And maybe the crowds will be bigger as the weekend goes on. But minimal crowds mean great access for you if you're going to be here. And so I think for if, if you're a golfer in the area, this is something that you maybe kicked around the idea, should I go? I, I would give it two thumbs up, man. They, they did a great job putting this thing together. Uh, the access to getting around is easy. The shuttles, all that stuff. So I, I give them two thumbs up on the way they handled all of it. Yeah, I think that in terms of access and seeing players, like that's no joke. I mean, we stood three feet away from Phil Mickelson on yep. the first hole. I mean, we had been here watching golf for 15 minutes, and we were that close to him right away. Hey, Whereas if you were to go to even just a mid-tier PGA Tour event, you're never going to get that close to him. And it was fun to see him hit that shot from the left rough on, on four at Witch Hollow. And, um, yeah, so totally agree with the access part of it. I, I think about, like, the reasons why I, wouldn't, I would or wouldn't go to, like, a college football game, like a duck game. The reasons I wouldn't go are if the weather's crappy, yep. which that obviously is not the case this, this weekend. It's supposed to be nice. Maybe, like, a little bit of rain on Saturday. But for the most part, it's a heck of a lot warmer and drier than it has been the last mm -hmm basically six months but um so the weather's good but the other reason maybe you wouldn't want to go to like a college football game or something is the crowds right because it, it's like oh parking and it'll take so long to get there and to get in and out and you're just like you know what? i don't want to deal with the hassle of all that so we're just going to watch it on tv right and whereas with this you can't really watch it on tv so <laughs> you watch it on youtube <laughs> and if you do go you're not like you said the shuttles are are really dialed it's really quick and easy to get in and out of here the access to players is great it's just very like well run and 
I guess we're not super surprised that they. We, it's not like we thought they were going to cut corners on that, but yeah, you put two billion dollars in it. Better I know, that way. right? Exactly. <laughs> but so I think from that standpoint, the weather's good. It's easy to get in and out. You're going to have really close access to players that you've maybe seen on TV a bunch, but you've never really yeah. seen in person. So I think that it's a fun event to come out and check it out. And again, going back to my my thing at the very beginning was I want to go because I want to see what this is all about. I'm not going because I know it's going to be this or I know it's going to be that. I'm going because I have no idea. And I think that's fun enough reason to go. Just to learn, man. Just to learn. It's going to be an interesting weekend. See how it all plays out. See what the final score is going to be. You but, think 15 uh, under? I think 15 under. Yeah. yeah. 15 under is my vote. I hope it's lower than that, though, because I think it's a good indicator for a golf course. As funny as that is, because I'm with you. I think some fans want lower scores or tougher courses. Everybody's got different opinions on that. I think the sweet spot's somewhere around your number. If you have a winner somewhere between 10 and 12 under this weekend, that's a great indicator for the way that Pumpkin Ridge played. Instead of having a, you know, if, if you come out and you have somebody barnstorm it for 23 under par yeah. and just runs away with it, that's a... You want the course to hold up. You want to play challenging. You want to feel like it's an official golf event. And when you get into some of those clown numbers, it doesn't necessarily have that feel. How about this? So you think 15 under, I think 12. Whoever is farthest away from that score has to hit driver on 10 at Eastmoreland next time we play. You got it. With our listener, which we're going to set up next week. We got to do that, right? So yeah, if you're listening to this, we're going to set that tee time up and we'll uh, we'll let you know what date sex is going to be and we want to come play with you. Well, buddy, it was... uh, Inside Voices. I hope we didn't bother anybody here. And uh, that's it, man. There, Hang out at LIV. There's, some, there's quite a few media in here, too. There's we saw Bob Herrig's here. Mark Schlaboff from ESPN's here. There's a lot of people in here. A lot of media here. They got robots serving us drinks. So it's a, it was a hell of a day. Hell did you put that on Twitter, out. the robot? I did. The robot's on my Twitter, <laughs> so you can go check that out. I've never seen that at a golf event <laughs> or anywhere. <laughs> I feel like it's going to take somebody out or it's going to fall over at some point. But, but then it doesn't. Gonna, it doesn't, man. It's got eyes the whole thing so uh there you go episode 10 it's a short but sweet episode hanging out here at pumpkin ridge if you're coming out this weekend uh enjoy it man it's, you're gonna get great access to some of the biggest names in golf and it's seeing seeing the, the first hole we're on we see phil mickelson hit a shot on a par five them for a par four that we played a thousand times and it's just so funny like i I know that shot, man. Yeah, totally. I know that. I'm not, I can't hit that shot, but I know that shot. And I'm curious too. Like, we'll put it up on Twitter just to ask for folks who did attend. Tell us what you thought about it. Yeah. I mean, do you agree, disagree with how it all was laid out. We'd be curious to hear what, what you have to say. Yeah, pretty sparse crowds today, so you're gonna get some great access. So that'll do it for us. Thanks for tuning in as always to the Grip City Golf Podcast. Until next time, hey, go low, folks. I hit it hard, man. Oh.